You're listening to Market Interviews with Ruben Wolf, where I talk to seasoned CEOs, startup founders, and domain experts about the inner workings of the market they operate in. The show aims to spark inspiration and seed ideas in entrepreneurs that are the ones advancing our society and keeping technology moving forward. Thank you so much for joining, Kit. We've heard a lot about you, particularly your involvement uh, with recent hiring uh, difficulties inside the NHS in the UK. And we'd love to hear about the problems that you're solving, but perhaps you can give us a small introduction of yourself and the company before I start uh, holding you with questions. Certainly. Well, it's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name's Kit. I was trained as a doctor. I worked primarily in accident and emergency medicine. I was very frustrated by the amount of inefficiency in healthcare, particularly in the way that healthcare workers' time is used. And I was interested to see if software, um, but particularly two technologies, uh, user-centered design and uh, machine learning could be used to reduce the amount of time uh, that's wasted um, in healthcare. And so with uh, my friend and CTO, we founded a company, it's now called Credentially, that uses a, uh, a software system that can be accessed from uh, phones or any internet-enabled device to make it very easy to sign up, verify, and complete an onboarding process as a worker in health or care. Okay. So I think we already got straight to the point of what, what problem you're solving. So, or let's say the solution is that you have a clean process for onboarding, let's say nurses, doctors into a hospital, or maybe can you tell me what exactly are the clients that use your software to speed up your the HR process? Yeah, sure. So at the moment, the majority of our clients are the uh, newest and most technologically advanced health providers in the UK. And by that, what I mean is uh, providers typically of remote clinical services, although it could be providers of uh, inpatient or appointments where a doctor or nurse will come out and see you. Uh, but those that have a sort of digital health-based business model, one that's not based around sort of a traditional doctor's surgery or a hospital, um, it's predominantly a, a tech-enabled solution. So people in the UK like uh, Doctor Care Anywhere, Teladoc, EQ, and the majority of those uh, on-demand health businesses is one of the ways that they're described, uh, use our product to onboard uh, their clinicians. Uh, but actually, the system can be used by anyone in healthcare. And really, what we've built uh, isn't so much a process, it's a way of automating a process. And uh, what we found was that actually everyone in healthcare wants to onboard and to verify their clinicians in a similar but uh, slightly different way. And so we ended up building a tool um, that's really sort of like a Lego process to put in any order that you want and with any content you want, the specific checks that you might need to do to get a highly regulated worker um, from clicking on a job ad or expressing some kind of interest in working for you to actually being safely able to practice with a patient. So we operate in healthcare at the moment and at the moment just within the UK, but we actually think that the the problem that we can solve with our technology is, is bigger than just healthcare. So ultimately, there's lots of highly regulated healthcare workers that have to go through a burdensome, slow, bureaucratic process to do the work that they want to do. And it's expensive for employers. It's expensive for us as patients because it means that healthcare providers have to spend a lot more than they otherwise might on getting the workers that they need. So really, that's the, the fundamental problem that we're trying to solve. It's the inefficiencies around 
hiring verification and ongoing uh, compliance. And compliance really just meaning safety. So if you've got a doctor or a nurse, you need to know that they're still on the uh, register of the regulator that they're regulated by. So the GMC in the case of doctors, the NMC in the case of nurses, for example, in the UK, um, you need to know that they've not been struck off or had special conditions placed in their practice. Similarly, you need to know that they've not committed a crime. So you need to do a criminal record check and you need some way of monitoring that. So fundamentally, that's that's what we solve. We're very focused on uh, healthcare at the moment, but uh, really it's, it's about that inefficiency in hiring. It's about safety and governance. Right. Let's focus on the problem just for a little bit longer. Certainly. From what I understand is that because the, the existing solution would be that someone, so someone already got accepted the job. So they, they do the interview, they got accepted, and now you're doing the verification process. Is that where you fit in? Is that right? Kind of, although actually our, our tool can fit in at any part of your application process. So to give you an example, to, to kind of properly define the problem. So at the moment, if you as a doctor or a nurse want to get working with a, a healthcare provider in the UK, the typical time that will take is between three and six months. Um, about 128 days if you sort of average it out. The failure rate for that, so the likelihood that um, you will not progress, you'll never end up treating a patient, is about 66%. Now, there's a lot of reasons both for the time delay and for the failure rate, some of which are to do with things that we help with. They're just about the fact that healthcare workers are busy. They don't have time to fill in pages and pages of forms. Some of it actually is because healthcare workers have a lot of options. So, Imagine you are looking for work as a doctor. There's many places that you could work. And so rather than just choose... Can I interrupt you slightly? Sorry, just to make sure. You just said 128 days between uh, applying for a position and actually being able to treat patients. Yeah. And 66% of the time, it doesn't follow through. So then there's some regulatory reason why this applicant can't do this job 66% of the time. Well, no, not not necessarily some regulatory reasons. So there's many reasons. So the the reason I'm I'm sort of explaining is the most common one. Actually, it's that you were interested in a few jobs. You started applying for a few, and one of them was easy, and you ended up working there. And one of them was less so. So to give you an example from kind of my own career, um, when I was working as a doctor in the NHS after a, a period of completing my training, I I went and worked for a few departments, uh, A and E departments that I liked doing what's called locoming. So just sort of um, not having a training uh, or a full-time position, just sort of working a few hours here and there. And I was interested in picking up extra work because there wasn't that many shifts that I was looking for at the two hospitals that I'd been working in predominantly during my training posts. And so I joined what's called a locum agency. But at the time, I didn't try to join one locum agency, which is sort of a provider of recruitment services. Um, I called up three and said, what shifts could you get me? And then a couple said they had good shifts. And then I started sending them over the things that they asked for. So things you'd expect, like a CV, ID. I ended up working with the one whose process was the fastest, who said, yeah, if you send us this, we can get you working within X period of time. And so very frequently, the reason that an employer will see an employment journey end in failure isn't because the candidate has failed to seek employment. It's that 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 employer has failed to successfully attract and keep that candidate that has a lot of options. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see. So there are hospitals out there who spend time in posting jobs, interviewing people, saying, yes, you're good for the job. And then the paperwork uh, starts. So there's a lot of time investment already, but then in the end, they don't close it because it takes too long and they're out-competed in this case. 
from another hospital where the paperwork was faster, or I assume in your case, it's no longer paper. Yeah, so we, I mean, we have a, a paperless solution, although people can still use paper in it if they want to, but yeah, that's right. And it actually might start before an interview. So imagine that you're looking for a few places to work. Maybe some of them want to interview, some of them don't. But let's say you try three. One of them, they have an email address and they say, email us and we'll tell you about a vacancy. So you sort of think that's a bit of a faff. I'll check another couple. One has a list of vacancies and maybe they have a little form that says, contact us here, upload your CV, we'll get back to you. And so maybe you upload that form, maybe you don't. Then another one says, click here. It will tell you whether or not you're suitable for the job. It will allow you to upload a CV in a couple of clicks from your phone if you have one. It will allow you to do an automated GMC check so you can prove that you're uh, registered and eligible for the role. And maybe it'll even let you book the interview directly from a Calendly link to the employer. So that's sort of what the process would be like with Credentially. It's trying to say from the very first time you connect with this clinician, whatever stage they are, you know, it might be they know all about this hospital, they really want to work there, they've got a friend who already works there and they just are saying, get me on board. But it might be actually that there's a little bit of toing and froing, both on the part of the hospital, you know, very frequently a private hospital, for example, will want to know before they begin an application process, actually, do they have space for this clinician? And they can afford to be quite choosy, whereas uh, a public or an NHS hospital, um, you know, it might be that they've got a lot of vacancies that need filling. Fundamentally, employing people is about extracting information and verifying that information and then ensuring that the person has all of the information that you need them to have and maybe that you've been able to verify that. So to give an example, I want to hire you a doctor. I say, give me evidence that you're trained. Give me evidence that you are who you say you are. Give me evidence that you've got insurance, maybe some other bits and bobs. You provide me with that information. Now, at the moment, I will ask you to give me documents that contain all of that information. I will also ask you to complete a written form. Usually, I'll ask you to download a PDF, fill it in in biro, scan it and send it in. That's obviously a massive inefficiency. And it's one for... Uh, so what information is on that form? Um, usually just the same information that you've requested in their documents. So that's part of what Credentially is trying to solve is don't ask people for the same information twice. Don't make them type out something that you can, you can verify on their behalf. So that, it's just an inefficient process of data capture fundamentally and, and data, get, data receiving as well. So if I want you to sign a contract, then on Credentially, you as an employer upload that contract. I as a, a clinician will e-sign it when I get to that part of the hiring journey. Now, e-signatures obviously are a technology that's existed for a while. And a lot of the things that we do as a, a piece of software incorporate other things done by other pieces of software. So applicant tracking systems or sort of generic HR systems, e-learning and training systems, maybe clinical e-referencing systems. What we've focused on doing on Credentially is actually thinking hiring a doctor or a nurse or a clinician is such an important job and it's so valuable that rather than using a series of using a series of tools through which you build linkages, why not have one tool that approaches in a specialist way the same work? So it definitely makes sense to reduce the number of tools and then to have less multiple entry. I definitely know from my personal experience that multiple entry with any HR systems is incredibly irritating. So I can see how this is important. So when the value proposition that you're giving your clients with Credentially is that you will solve the problem of the long drawn out process of onboarding healthcare workers and Mm -hmm. The result that they can expect is that, firstly, reduced time for onboarding, but then also having less people drop out of the onboarding process because 
you reduce the amount of irritation that that the onboarding process does. Am I understanding that correctly? That's exactly right. So the three value propositions that we have fundamentally are around hiring metrics. So yes, reducing the time to hire. So the industry average in healthcare is 128 days across all of the over 10,000 clinicians that have been through the credentialing system. It's about 10 to 12 calendar days. And it's also reducing the failure rate. So again, the the average, at least amongst the clients that we work with, failure rate pre-credentialing is about 66%. uh, With credentialing, it's about 30%. So substantial uh, increase in the likelihood that if you get a candidate who's at least slightly interested, you'll get them all the way to your the end of your hiring journey, and that uh, one of your competitors won't get that uh, clinical staff member. The other is about safety. So rather than just doing a standard paper-based check, let's say on someone's professional registration or their criminal record status, let's say, that typically in the UK is done between every one to three years by healthcare employers. With credentialing, uh, assuming the person's on uh, the DBS update service, We'll check that on a regular basis. Um, typically, for most employers, we check their whole roster every five days. Um, and similarly, we check professional registration status daily. So um, in terms of the patient safety uh, that we're able to offer compared to only checking that every one to three years, reduces the risk of you having a clinician that has been struck off without you realizing. So this is so this is if, if they had a malpractice situation happen, perhaps outside of your hospital, like a second hospital they work in, yep. and then the regulator has said you shouldn't be practicing anymore so that you automatically get that same day, next day, get that notification. Exactly. Okay, nice. And similarly, I mean, there's, you typically will have to do between 10 and 30 individual checks on a member of clinical staff before you hire them. And most of those checks will expire. So you'll have to do those checks, then log when you've done them, and then set reminders so that both you and the employee are notified before um, certain training or, or documentation expires. And so a big part of what the system's doing is sending out reminders, you know, potentially hundreds or thousands on your behalf as an employer to make sure that no one's core training or competencies or documents run out uh, before you before you're notified at least three times and the reason for that obviously you can imagine so who's getting notified is this internal hr of the hospital or the, or the employee? It's, it's almost it's the member of clinical staff it's the it's the employee but also if something critical changes and that person becomes non-compliant then it's the employer so you help the employee update their documents if needed and then after that the employee, uh, employer. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. At the very beginning, you said you introduced kind of uh, your broad technological guidelines for solving this problem, which now we've gone into some detail. And uh, I think the listeners will understand quite well the incredible value that credentially gives. So you said user-centric design mm. uh, and machine learning. Do you want to go, Let's let's go one by one. So where inside credentially do you have user-centric design? And perhaps let's start with just defining the concept. Sure, yeah. So I, I think we're fortunate in a sense in building technology in the context of the NHS because we know that if that's the predominantly mar- predominant market for a technology in the UK, then we need to be able to demonstrate return on investment and value just to make that ROI case credible. And so what that means is we had to start from the position of where are there inefficiencies? And we knew from, we did customer development where we talked to hundreds of different people that were involved in the employing sign-up verification. Uh, What we found was typically they'd all have a a very big spreadsheet that they tracked all of this information in, and they'd have a very big PDF form or paper-based form that they would ask their employee to do. Uh, And so 
what we felt was this is an inefficient process. But imagine if you're a doctor, you're very busy, you want to work somewhere, you don't want to have to download and print and then rescan in a, a form with a lot of the same information that you've probably already given them in, in different parts of your application. So, you know, why are you giving them that your date of birth is if you've already given them your passport, for example? So when we say user-centered design, what we mean is it's a design of the system that's not focused on the utility necessarily to one party or the other, because for you as an employer, that it's great to have a PDF form that you ask someone to download and to fill in, and then, you know, you have... Um, assuming they do it, but actually for the user experience, for the clinician that you are trying to attract, that's not great. You know, it's, it, it represents wasted time. It shows that actually you don't necessarily value their time that well. So when we say user-centered design, what we're thinking about at each stage of the process is what information can we not ask for? So what information, uh, for example, if we ask you for a seven-digit number, your GMC number or your registration number as a doctor, we can find out your name, we can find out where you graduated from, we can find out your professional registration, any specialisms that you have, and then we don't need to ask you for that. Similarly, we don't need to ask you for a, a, a certificate of your completion of training or membership on the specialist register because we already have that information. Similarly, if we're asking for uh, you to provide a ref clinical reference, we're thinking about, well, how can we ask you to do it in a way that's as respectful of your time as possible, which in our system is we just ask you to give the details of that person and we help the employer to customize a digital reference form. And then we're thinking, how can we make it as easy on the referee as possible? So we send them a link, they can open on their phone, they can give a quick clinical reference, all of the details about that employee are pre-filled with what we've been able to independently validate. And so all of the time in the process, we're trying to think, how can we ask for as little information as possible? The information that we do ask for, how can we make it as easy to give to us as possible? The things that we need to validate, how can we do that in a way that requires as little time of the employer as possible? And then overall, we're thinking about from clicking on a job ad or wanting to work somewhere to working safely, what are all the steps? How can we minimize the time it takes to complete all of them, reduce the, the data transfer to only what's absolutely necessary and make the process as easy and painless as possible. So you want to be able to do it entirely from your phone. You want it to be a nice branded experience. And again, you want it to be one that is clearly respectful of your time, which means if you work shifts, if you work late, you need to be able to do it 24 hours a day, not have it reliant on someone emailing you back, someone confirming they've received things. You want as much of it as possible to be automated. So that's what I mean by user-centered design. Yeah, I can definitely hear the philosophy and uh, experience that's come out of the Silicon Valley type companies in terms of user experience and user-centered design getting into a field where, I mean, I, I haven't thought about it because yes, of course, we should raise the standards of human resources. When you're applying to some place, maybe you're not having an expectation of having a good user experience because you just want a job. But in fact, of course, we should stop wasting people's time there. And yeah, so I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think respecting people's time. Yeah, and I think the you know the thing I said about doing it in the NHS context, I think again the fact that arguably, you know, we're trying to innovate in one of the hardest markets, uh, hardest industries, and then the hardest market within that industry, which is you know, healthcare in the UK, which is healthcare is obviously very high trust, it's very highly regulated and in the UK, it's a difficult market because, you know, you have the NHS, which whilst it's doing laudable things to try and adopt technology, it has a different revenue model to the places in the world that have the most innovation in healthcare. And so similarly, I think healthcare as a, an employment market is, is similar. It's forced us to innovate 
in a way, because actually healthcare work is, it is different from when you're trying to get a job in another industry. You know, most people are looking to get a job and they're, you know, they make a lot of applications and they're happy to almost suffer through a difficult process, but that's slightly different in healthcare. And so what we've been forced to do is design the tool from the position of what if you had as, what if you had a lot of options and what if actually optimizing for that employee experience would give you a big advantage as an employer. And what I hope is that from us being founded in this context and innovating in that context, actually that will filter down and having an employee experience that's as easy and I don't want to say as pleasant as possible, but at least, you know, as not unpleasant as it can be, I think will ultimately give any company advantage that wants to hire and retain retain great employees and to demonstrate that they care about their time and experience from the get-go. So you mentioned several times now that, that it's particular that you're working with the NHS. In the United Kingdom, there are, of course, also uh, private hospitals. So have you ever talked to them? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you have them as customers, but perhaps as um, when you're doing customer development, do you see them having any different problems than the NHS? Yeah, we do. And um, we work with a, um, with a number of private health providers. Um, they do operate in a very different context. Typically, private healthcare in the UK, they will employ consultants um, to do the, the majority of the work that they do. So as opposed to trainee grades that do a lot of the actual kind of clinical care in the NHS. For that reason, they can be quite selective about who they hire. And so they a different challenge to say, you know, we've worked with an NHS organization during the COVID crisis that was just looking to hire as many doctors and advanced uh, nurse practitioners and paramedics as it could. And it wanted to get as many people through the door as it could because, you know, there was a huge sudden increase in demand for care, particularly to do things like triage in patients that had potential COVID symptoms so that they wouldn't attend hospitals and clinics and things. So with private health, they often have a limited number of vacancies for employees and they want, they're very choosy about who they will put through the start of that process. But even so, once that's done, they have a great deal of care as all health employees, uh, employers do. They really care about patient safety and good clinical governance and, you know, making sure that they do everything to keep their patients safe. So there are some different contextual challenges within healthcare, certainly. One one, uh, keyword here, I just want to make sure for our American listeners, in the United Kingdom, what do you mean with consultants? Because that's not a term in the oh, United sorry. States that people associate with healthcare. Uh, an attending. So, um, it's so, the, so they, they're more work experience in the private hospitals versus in the NHS? Uh, not necessarily. They're, and often the, the consultants that work in the private sector will also work in the NHS. It just means that they're not a trainee grade. So I'm just going to check, but I think it's uh, attending is the term that's used in America. Yeah, attending is a physician after medical school and everything is completed. After they completed their residency, I believe. Yes. So um, I'm just uh, <laughs> just making sure that I'm not getting this wrong because it'll irritate people if I do. Okay. So then my next question would be, we've talked a little bit about what was the traditional paper way that is so inefficient, but I suspect you're not the only digitized onboarding platform. So could you explain a little bit, differentiate yourself from, from the rest of the market? Yeah, absolutely. So and there's lots of different HR software solutions available. Um, there's fewer that are focused on healthcare specifically. And that partially was, was why we felt we had the opportunity that we did. So um, firstly, for the, the market dynamics that I've explained. So 
you really need to give healthcare employees a good experience because there's not very many of them they have a lot of options and they don't have a lot of time but also you need a hell of a lot of things that are specific to hiring a healthcare worker that you just don't need if you're hiring sort of a, a general member of staff things like enhanced criminal record checks more detailed references verification of education um, and lots of different ongoing learning and training needs, as well as making sure that people have reviewed and signed all clinical governance policies to keep a patient safe. So we would compare to uh, applicant tracking systems, things like Fountain, um, that are often used by uh, large-scale employers, people like Just Eat and Uber maybe use Fountain, to process lots of applications. Um, but we're also similar in some sense to a generic HR system that is mainly uh, is focused on maintaining the documents that you need uh, about a member of staff. So something like Humanity, for example, uh, also to specific specific software tools. So things to help e-sign documents. Our system will do that in a manner similar to kind of DocuSign or HelloSign. Obviously, with a much limited feature set uh, focused around the signing of uh, employment and training documents. So what we do, I think, covers a number of different use cases or a different product sets within SAS, you know, ATS system, HR system, learning and training system, uh, and some more specific tools like digital referencing and, and uh, document e-signature, for example. Um, but Sorry, the abbreviation SAS, um, SAAS. Service, yeah, so it's SAAS, software as a service. Yep. Um, it's, um, it's funny, I, I watched myself go from being completely confused by all the acronyms I learned in medical school to saying them to people that were just as confused as me without realizing that I'd kind of become blind to the word, weird words that I was using. And I've gone through that process once and now I'm doing it again in software. So um, Indeed. Um, okay, absolutely. So so in short, they, the competition is slim with respect to software that's specifically focused on the HR of healthcare workers, which are particular because of the market of HR workers. And because it's not only onboarding, there's also the ongoing need for tracking the documents and then you have these notifications and you have the verifications. So yeah, I, I think I, I definitely understand. The, this, this is a typical case of specializing into one market or one niche, which then allows you to have a tailored product that solves the problem much better than a general solution may. I see it over and over again that uh, I have a problem and I look at the general software solution and then I just find that the value add is not nearly enough to outcompete me doing it in Excel or whatever is the old school paper version. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was um, kind of a, a, a beachhead, getting a beachhead segment, you know, the, the kind of Peter Thiel strategy from zero to one of finding a very small niche that you can absolutely dominate, which for us was remote clinical care in the UK. And then from that, moving out sort of laterally, um, once you have a, a product that has solved a particularly need so well, you can sort of then extend outwards. So that was what we tried to do. And I think that's how we've been able to create value uh, and to take, you know, our customers previously were using things like Humanity, they were using things like DocuSign, and they've sort of often gotten rid of a suite of software tools from very good, you know, very large software companies to use our tool exclusively that is very specific. And I think it's it's because of some of those tools having more features than that were, that were needed. Um, so maybe being larger or, or more complex than necessary for the job that you need to do, but also the aggregate effect of having lots of tools doing different bits of a hiring journey, being that there's, the process is in some manner disjointed and needs to be linked together with um, human input, which leads to delays and inefficiency and, and the potential for dropping the ball. So you, know, you can imagine yeah. if you've got 
a hundred or a thousand doctors and they've each got you know, maybe 30 expiring pieces of information and you're tracking that across different systems, the potential for you to forget if someone to work unsafely, um, it becomes large over time. So having that all in one place and automated, I think gives people a level of comfort and security and knowing that they're using a specialist tool for a specialist job. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you, you mentioned again the time saving that, that your software provides. Maybe just to give our listeners a really good understanding of the like mm-hmm. could we do you have like an example of let's say if we just take so what is the most time consuming process, the pl- place where most of the time is lost uh, in the recruitment process of a nurse in the NHS? Where's like the biggest gain? Rather than saying nurses in the NHS, just because that's we predominantly at the moment in the NHS deal in primary care with physicians, although we do employ NHS nurses through the tool. Um, I mean, just generically, the three areas where most people will fall out of the funnel are around um, criminal record checks. So making sure that you can give them the uh, ability to do a criminal record check, which is quite an involved process as easily as possible. Um, clinical referencing, so getting a clinical reference can take a while in healthcare. And so a lot of the design work that we did went into making it as easy as possible for, for the three parties involved. So right? is that, that means a doctor asking his previous employer to provide a reference letter. Yeah, he's also typically a clinician. He's also typically very busy. And so we So what does your software do to make, I mean, you can't make this uh, previous doctor less busy. How do you? No, we can't, absolutely. What we can do is rather than them receiving a PDF form that they've got to download, fill in that doesn't have any of the information pre-filled about who you're providing the reference for. We will say you've been asked by this employer at this date, which is uh, kind of digitally stamped, to provide a reference for this employee for this role that he's going to be doing. Um, this employee states that they had this work history. Um, we would ask like you to provide the following information, but that's you answering. And, and depending on the employer, these could just be ticking four boxes. You know, are you aware of any um, any malpractice claims? Were you, uh, was this person involved in any disciplinary procedure? Is there any reason why you wouldn't recommend them for this role? And then digitally sign your name. So something that you could do in a few seconds versus a process that you might have to sort of carve out half an hour for. Um, so previously, I suppose a, a doctor would email their previous employer and then say, hey, could you provide me a reference letter? And then they might not even have a template. They they would have to write it themselves and it would need to contain certain information. Mm -hmm. And then they would get that back and then send that on. And for you, it's all digitized. It's just a check one, two, three, four, if all goes well. Yeah. Again, and it really depends on what the employer wants. So we don't, uh, uh, credentially, we don't sort of take a view on that. We digitize what your ideal hiring journey would look like and so you tell us what you need in a reference. We build that form for you digitally. And then we ask the, the referee just the information that you don't already have. Um, and, and again, I don't, we're not doing anything particularly special. Right? I guess all that we're doing is lots of little things to try and make the process a little bit easier. And on aggregate, that adds up to a fairly big benefit uh, in terms of you know, less lost employees or fewer lost employees. Okay. Lost, yeah. in terms of lost in the hiring journey, not sort of, you know, lost geographically. And then there's one last thing that you mentioned during the introduction, which is the, I kept it last because we want to avoid just, you know, yeah. becoming uh, slaves to our buzzwords. But it is, of course, interesting uh, where this comes into play. Yeah, I you know. So the, the, the way that we use that technology is, it, I would say in healthcare, it's 
arguably one of the most trivial applications. It's to, when you upload a bunch of documents, it's to extract from them what they're likely to be compared to the documents um, we've seen before. You don't have to tell us what document it is you're uploading. Um, and then also we use things like OCR to try and extract things like issue dates, expiry dates. So really it's just done again with the aim of increasing convenience for both employee and employer. Ultimately, we're adding the ability for our system to extract much more contextual information from that documentation. And really where we want to get to is if you upload a, a bunch of documents, maybe including things like a CV, your ID, we can actually complete any application for you by automatically classifying the information that you've shared with us and then matching it to whatever the whatever the form of the process is that maybe an end employer has or maybe maybe even some other process that you might want to go to go through so for example if you as a clinician want to update your indemnity insurance ultimately where we want to be able to get to is if you've uploaded the information onto credentially that gives us the ability to help you complete that process more easily to use our technology to extract and match that information and to try and remove as much bureaucracy from, from your life as possible. So we need to say to us, yep, I need insurance. This is the, these are the people that I would like. Then having the system to complete as much of the application process as, you, uh, as it can. Okay, yeah. That's, uh, simple applications of AI are always my favorite. I mean, um, <laughs> do something that works and then just fit into your process. <laughs> so um, that's about it in terms of the time that we have. If we were to just summarize very quickly, from my understanding, now please correct me. The problem that you're solving is that specifically in healthcare, could be general, but in healthcare, there's a long time for onboarding new clinicians and other healthcare workers. And there's a high above 50% failure rate of those people actually ending up with a job. And your solution is user-centric uses AI to minimize the amount of work that goes into the process, no waiting times for personal responses, digitizing as much as possible, but only when it reduces the amount of time that people have to put into this. And you've managed to actually take the average amount of time needed to onboard a clinician from 128 days to 12 days and yeah. reduce the failure rate from 66% to 33%. So a very valuable solution. And you're providing the solution for a customer space, which is currently in the UK, uh, healthcare providers, but potentially expanding the future. That's so right, yeah. We're looking to have our first North American uh, client fairly shortly. But yeah, at the moment, we're, we're, we're focused in the UK. Okay. Well, that was a really interesting insight into the difficulties of hiring. I would have never thought 66% failure rate uh, and also not 128 days onboarding, but um, in banking, I knew some some similar difficulties with with respect to onboarding, and it's always like wait times and documents back and forth. Mm. So yeah, I think uh, your this company is definitely providing a valuable service for increasing the efficiency of the healthcare system, which you know either means we have lower uh, healthcare costs or uh, hospitals have disposable income for better care. So. In any case, uh, thank you for your work. And uh, also, thank you for uh, doing this interview. My pleasure. Anytime. 